0: Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash radiofreecatholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Deus Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Before I get started with this particular podcast episode, I'm going to open up with this is not a recommended course of action, okay? Because this topic is one of those, I got to be honest with you, I'm going to talk about it as though I support it. Although, obviously, I don't. And anybody who, like, no joke, if you're a traditional Catholic, I shouldn't even actually have to put this out there. But people have gotten simple-minded enough that they hear something that sounds like it's applause applause for some heinous act, and they all of a sudden, I can't believe you support blah, 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 blah. Okay? So let this be my clear declaration in an age of wusses. I do not support the topic that I'm going to talk about in this episode. I am, however, going to leave some tidbits that might be something that you may want to keep in mind given the coming total economic collapse. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine patris et filii et Spiritus sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael l'arcangle, defend proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diabli est o praesidium. Imperet illi deus, supplicas deprecamur, tuque princeps militai calestis, satram aliosque spiritus malignosque ad perditionam animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum de trude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis, mater dolorosa. Ora pro nobis. Sancta Augustinus, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salviérimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculato Conceptio est. In nomine Patris et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I gotta be honest with you, I am disgusted by the fact that I actually had to give that disclaimer because somebody might mistake what I'm talking about today as me encouraging somebody to commit a frickin' felony. But such are the times that we live in. A disgusting, immoral, incomprehensible time for all of Earth. I want to give a hat tip to Zero Hedge for this headline Viral TikTok Kia Challenge sparks nationwide rise in car thefts by USB wielding kids. And yeah, you'll understand. So, <clears throat> um,. Article by Tyler Durden, of course. Quoting from the article. I'm just going to read the article, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some stuff. Thefts of Kia and Hyundai vehicles have surged across the country after a dangerous challenge went viral on the Chinese-owned video app TikTok. Viral TikTok videos provide instructions on how to hotwire models of the 2010 to 2021 Kia and Hyundai vehicles that use a key, not a push button or a key fob. The ability to hotwire these models is apparently so easy that youngsters have turned it into a challenge. Teenage boys, some barely old enough to legally drive, or even see over the steering wheel, are breaking into these cars, removing the steering column and key slot, and using a USB cable to turn the ignition, unlock the steering wheel, and start the vehicle in under one minute. Those vehicles are vulnerable to theft because there are no factory-installed anti-theft devices known as immobilizers, RFID transponder embedded in a key that allows the vehicle to recognize the owner's key. This dangerous TikTok challenge has turned into a game for teenagers. Quote, it's becoming a game even though there's nothing funny about it, says George Glassman, president of Glassman Automotive Group in Detroit, (laughs) speaking to Fox Channel 2. Detroit Police Department Lieutenant Clive Stewart said kids steal the Kia and Hyundai vehicles with their buddies and go on joyrides. Investigators told CNBC the TikTok challenge started last year and has spread nationwide. Police in St. Petersburg, Florida reported that a third of all cars stolen since mid-July were connected to the viral social media challenge. LA officials said Hyundai and Kia thefts were up 85% with last year. In Chicago, Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart said... Quote, we see no end in sight to the TikTok-fueled thefts. Quote, in our jurisdiction alone, thefts of certain models are up over 800% in the last month. The viral nature of how this has taken off on social media, it's accelerated this like we've never seen, the perpetrators are doing it in 20 to 30 seconds. It literally is as old-fashioned as you can imagine, Dart said. He added, we had an 11-year-old who was one of our most prolific stealers. The notion that they could drive is a fantasy. Close quote. CNBC said thieves post videos of stealing the vehicles on social media platform using the hashtag #KiaBoys. In Charlotte, North Carolina, there's been a 346% increase in Kia and Hyundai thefts since last year, according to Axios. Thefts in Omaha, Nebraska for those cars jumped 600% compared to the previous year. In St. Paul, Minnesota, Kia thefts were up 1,300% compared to last year, and Hyundai thefts were up about 600%, according to Fox 9 Minneapolis. There are countless more metro areas and counties across the U.S., reporting several hundred to more than 1,000% increase in thefts for Kia and Hyundai vehicles over the last year. A Kia spokesman told NBC, quote, it is unfortunate that criminals are using social media to target vehicles without engine immobilizers in a coordinated effort. Close quote. News stories across, <laughs> news stories across, I guess across. Ah, oh, come on, print, uh, copy edit, guys. Um, news stories across about stolen Kias and Hyundai's have erupted over the last year. Also, many of these youngsters play violent video games, such as Grand Theft Auto, for hours per day, making them used to violence and eventually becoming psychologically numb to it. Social media plus violent video games is a toxic combination for youth. Don't even get us started on psychiatric drugs. Now, that last line, those last two lines are actually the most boomer-esque lines that I have heard out of a mouth, particularly of a company like Zero Hedge. It's really, really odd that that would be the go-to. They play violent video games such as GTA for hours per day. Um, now, it's not just Look. It's not to say that there is no effect of video games, okay? I don't play video games myself. I used to play video games as a kid. You know, things that were very... Well, I'll be blunt. No Grand Theft Auto. Okay, I never played Grand Theft Auto. I think, actually, I take that back. I think I played it once. But it's a terribly boring game if you don't actually want to get into all of the stuff that that is around. And I prefer, you know, uh, flight sims, racing games, uh, maybe fighting games, you know, like uh, Mortal Kombat, Soul Calibur, stuff like that. Um, Like, like it's just not like a first-person shooter is not in my genre my life for 20 years was a first-person shooter game so why would I play a video game um, from the first-person shooter standpoint I've got plenty of I've got plenty of experience as a first-person shooter it's no big deal I'll pass now <clears throat> as to the as to the psychological effects of playing games like grand theft auto in particular grand theft auto um couldn't tell you I can tell you that we didn't see this before, and Grand Theft Auto is a very long-standing video game, okay? Now, GTA, I think, originally came out in the early 2000s, and has been, I mean, I think they're up to, like, six or seven, whatever, it, like, it doesn't even matter. It, the game's been around for so long that you can't, like, th- Grand Theft Auto predates the 11-year-old master car thief in Chicago, Okay? predates him by half a decade or more. So blaming video games is probably not the best idea ever. Blaming social media, given the fact that social media has proven time and again to bring out the worst in human beings over the, over the period since it's actually come out. If, when you look across the news landscape, you look across the social media landscape, social media brings out, bar none, the worst in people. And far more so than video games ever did. Video, remember, video games go all the way back to the 60s and 70s with, you know, the Commodore 64 and the ColecoVision and the Atari 1500. And it's not like, oh, well, you know, but games about violence. No. Games about violence have been out there. How long has Call of Duty been out there? How long has Grand Theft Auto been out there? You can't blame the video games. We didn't see a sharp increase in violent crime with the advent of Grand Theft Auto. We did see a sharp increase in violent crime with the advent of the defund the police movement. We did see an increase in venom and vitriol being flung across the country with the advent of social media. But if you're going to put all that on Grand Theft Auto and its ilk, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not a big, I don't, I don't play video games, so I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. But I do know that it's a red herring to talk about video games such as Grand Theft Auto. It's certainly not necess, It's certainly not helpful to society. But the advent, I mean, seriously, from the first Grand Theft Auto movie to today, it's been almost 20 years. 20 years. So get real. It's not the video games, for crying out loud. This is why the opponents of traditionalism think we're stupid. This is why the opponents of the counter-revolution think we're stupid. Is because we literally have the scientific evidence that shows no correlation between video games and violence... But we have plenty of, of scientific evi- evidence that provides a correlation between bad legal policy, bad justice policy, and violence. And a dramatic amount of scientific evidence about the effects of social media on the mental health of, on, of what would be still psychologically and emotionally debilitated people due to the destruction of the family. Now, social media. Hashtag Kia Boys. (sighs) I just want to say, I'm impressed. For two reasons. I'm negatively impressed in one direction, and I'm affirmatively impressed in the other direction. I'm negatively impressed that a company that would finally manage to shed, two companies that finally managed to shed their Korean crap meme-like status for putting out semi like some decent vehicles don't have the foresight to put an RFID kill switch in even their cheapest cars is ridiculous to me because let's be real for just a minute they're using a USB port but I'm looking at the pictures in this video Or from this video, I should say. And you could do the job with a screwdriver. Which, by the way, every minority gang member from New York in the 1960s and 70s knew you could do this. Yeah, I went that back. I went far that back. uh, That back that far. You've been able to drive a screwdriver into, like... I got to be honest with like I'm impressed they went go through the trouble of taking out the steering column, but I would be even more impressed if you couldn't just shove a flat tip screwdriver in that keyhole and crank the vehicle up. Because if you could do it with a key, like seriously, if you could do it with how how physically strong is a USB? Think about it. Those of you who have had who have had to replace USBs because they got crushed because you know somebody stepped on them, or you repl- like you've had to like you've got dozens and dozens. Pull open your pull open the drawer next to your desk or whatever in your in your junk drawer and and tell me that you don't have like fifty or twenty USB cables just sitting in your house. And I gotta be honest with you. These look uh, the picture here actually looks like a USB three. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a USB. Oh no, that's oh no. Oh, that's even funnier. It's the straight USB. It's the USB 2 connection that they're using on this. That's hilarious. Ironically, it's also right next right next to a cable port in the picture. That's awesome. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> Look. had a 2000 Chevy Impala and I had them install the kill switch, the dealer, the dealer installed fuel cutoff switch that you had to have the little, um, three and a half millimeter jack with the, with the digital code in to, in order to, in order to keep the vehicle, you know, like you had to put that in before you could start the car. And the, the plug was down below where you couldn't really see it. So like, you, so like somebody could try and get in the car and try to steal the car the way you traditionally would with the General Motors vehicle in the late 90s, early 2000s, and you could not because it was a bypass system installed. Now, I was living in the South where these cars weren't exactly flying off. The, you know, people weren't stealing these cars just because. And I had the foresight to make sure that that system was put in the car. I mean, at some point, at some point, those of us who are, you know, regular law-abiding citizens, we have to look around and say, are we really this stupid? Because here's the thing, Grand Theft Auto did introduce the concept of just stealing a car to take it and drive it. To be sure, there are cars that people would probably much rather steal. You know, I would if I was going to steal a car. For I don't know, pick your reason to resell. You know, put in a chop shop or whatever. I'm not going to steal a Kia. But here's a thought: I'm in a city where riots have broken out and they're burning down buildings and I need to get out of town fast. I don't have my car. I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm just gonna leave that there. We're coming up on a time where it might actually be really, really important to be able to do something stupid like this. And mind you, there's two things that come with knowing how to execute such a, a an, an action. I'm not necessarily going to say crime because it is. I mean, at the end of it, it's still a Kia. I'm kidding. <clears throat> there's something to be there's something to be aware of that if you know how to how to perform how to do something like this, which currently under the rule of law is a felony. In a time of emergence, dear family, hear me out on this, because this is going to rub people the wrong way, but it's still a fact. I'm in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and they're burning down the city. I don't want to be anywhere near there. I'm not there to help. I'm not there to do anything. They're burning down the city. I don't have my car or a car. And I need to get me and my family, what they call the heck, out of there. Expelled, heck spelled with a capital F. U. Is it a mortal sin for me to jack a car like this so I can get me and my family out of a dangerous situation? No. It's not. And actually thinking about it with a Kia or a Hyundai, jack the car, swing to a gas station, pack up the family, pack up the family and get the heck out of Dodge. And guess what? Even if you've only got enough to fill the gas tank once, you can exfill an area by 400 miles. This becomes simultaneously true, actually in the case of a hurricane or a tsunami, or any other natural, or an actual natural disaster. In the event of nuclear war, this becomes true. If you don't have the resources available, and you need to get your family the heck out of there, the mitigating circumstance is the emergency that requires you to do the thing to exfil the area. You know it, I know it. this adds a certain extra layer by knowing how to do it. You also learn how to stop it, which is the other part that's not really thought of in this. Most people it is like, Oh, I drive a Kia. Who's going to steal a Kia? I drive a Hyundai. Who's going to steal a Hyundai? Well, the Hyundais, are, Hyundai's and Kia's are actually getting really nice, but true. The nicer vehicles do have that RFID system. But if I can only afford that little base model, that little base model, bucket of bolts, and it's my only lifeline, knowing this is out there is a really good way to make sure that you know how to protect yourself from it. And that's a fact. That's an important fact. So am I saying that you need to download the uh, the hashtag Kia Boys videos? Well, to be honest, it wouldn't go amiss. Because while I'm never going to steal a car so long as I still have my car, I still know how to steal a car in the event that I don't have my car. If I happen to get caught. At random in some place where somebody decides to throw a Molotov cocktail at my car and put my car completely out of freaking commission. And keep in mind you could try that with me, but I've also but I've also keep fire extinguishers in my car. Like I'm very well prepared. But if somebody takes my car and puts it out of commission where I cannot escape, oh, I'm gonna escape. I have all the tools I need to escape. And it becomes twice as important, twice as important when I have to exfil me and my family from a dangerous situation. And no law in the civil society is going to stop me from performing my duties as a man and as head of household. Not ever. So am I saying you need to go out and steal cars? Obviously not. Am I saying that you might wanna know how to do this one, add it to the list? Because in truth, there there are fewer and fewer automobiles that you can just jam a screwdriver into the ignition cylinder and start the car. That's just a fact. And you might have to get out. These things are not the normal things that people think of. And I, and I really hate to say it, the like if there was ever proof of my absolutely awful history. It's the fact that I read this and I go, "Oh, well that might be a good piece of information to have." How to steal a really cheap car to get the heck out of Dodge. Because, to be sure, while these idiots are doing it to Joyride, if I'm doing it, it's to escape. It's to get to somewhere safe. Is what it is. And I'll check the glove box for for the license and registration and make restitution with the owner, assuming I even can. Because if it's really that unsafe where I'm stealing someone's car, there's a non zero chance they're already dead. Which is the other fact. Is this the way to go? No. It's not my first choice. But if my back's up against the wall and I recommend that traditional, that that you, dear family, traditional catholics, you know, more conservative christians or whatever, whatever side of the whatever side of the political, you know, the right wing spectrum, supposed right wing spectrum that you fall on, these are skills that I highly recommend that you add to your repertoire just in case. Because what I absolutely will not do is put a gun in someone's face and steal their car so that There is such a thing as being beyond the pale. So. Anyhow. (laughs) I kind of have to laugh. I spoke to my father today. And as it was like, so have you been listening to the podcast? And he goes, no. Uh, Well, I mean, I've listened to four episodes. And. You're scary. (laughs) If there was ever a reason why this podcast didn't really blow up and make it mainstream, I could definitely understand being one of the people who puts all of these things into a perspective that you can that you can see, that you can almost smell, but you most definitely can sense, interpret and almost touch. And being as absolutely shocking and horrifying as things are, I certainly understand why this podcast has not made it mainstream. Because I pull no punches when I tell you the situations that you really need to be looking at. (sighs) Anyway. (laughs) I'll let you know if it looks like it's going to slow down. Believe you me, if it looks like all of my worst case scenario predictions are going to be wrong, I'll be the first one to come out and say, hey, turns out it's not going to be hell. Turns out it's not going to be as bad as I thought it was. Turns out it's really, really easy to get along in this new world. I'll be the first one to say it because I want, I desperately want that to be the news that I'm putting out. In the meantime, get your helmet, get your body armor, grab your weapons, and get ready for a really, really raucous time as always, pray your rosary, pray for the church, pray for the nation. This isn't slowing down. It's only speeding up. And the worst part about it is actually, before I get too far, uh, I was about to wrap this up. Goodness gracious. Hang on. Pumping the brakes on the wrap up. (laughs) One quarter of of the American population is going to be living without electricity, without gas, and without gas-powered vehicles to be able to transport themselves around. And oh hey, by the way, most of those people are not going to be able to afford the electric cars that they say will save them, nor will they be able to plug those cars into the power outlet because, well, in much the same way that California is telling their citizens not to plug in their electric cars, that is going to happen here in the future and it may not necessarily be near future, but it looks like 14 states have passed laws banning gas-powered vehicles in the next 12 years. And I can assure, I can assure you, you will not be able to hotwire a Tesla. That much is for certain. got to have electrical power to be able to hotwire an electric vehicle. So, you can go ahead and take that off your Christmas list, unless we're going to figure out ways to hijack Teslas by, you know, popping the trunk and dropping generators in there to power up the batteries, which I feel like, well, I mean, you know, it's not impossible. (laughs) But it does seem, well, anyway, yeah. So you understand what went through my head. I want you to picture a Tesla Model S with the trunk open and a $650 Honda generator hotwired into the back to make the car go. I just want you to picture that. All right. That'll be car theft in the future. <laughs> anyway, and I don't know why you would bu- well, anyway, yeah. Never mind, we're moving on. One fourth of the American population is not going to be able like don't think for a minute they're not eventually gonna try and federalize that crap. Okay? We want to ban all gas powered engines by twenty thirty five, because that's basically what the legislation is, is to get rid is to fully eliminate gas powered automobiles, petrol powered automobiles, by two thousand thirty five. Knowing full well that Tesla's tractor semi trailer or semi truck isn't ready yet. Tesla has not started producing the Tesla semi. They're the only ones doing the research for the batteries and all that stuff for a Tesla semi. And they haven't gotten there yet. The Cybertruck isn't in full production. We're not there yet. You ever hear that old uh, cliche, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush? Apparently, the people pushing this legislation have not. And if I thought that they were doing it for the greater good, then I would actually, you know, simply admonish them with the a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush thing, saying, hey, let's wait until we get the technology ready and it's actually in production before we start this nonsense. However... I don't believe that they actually are doing this for the greater good. So, I'm going to go ahead and forego that one. And for everyone who's looking at this, thinking that this might be a good idea, I'm going to admonish you. Tesla Motors has been around for a decent amount of time. They've been pushing the Cybertruck, semi-tractor trailer, or fully autonomous tractor-trailers. They are... at the forefront of this technology, there are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. Everybody else is literally riding Elon Musk's coattails. And the politicians have decided that we're headed in this direction regardless of anything. Which means, of course, it's an attack on you. I've got two cars. I've got a more modern car that used to be a police car, that's equipped with a few of the gadgets and gizmos that police cars are equipped with. It's a scary looking car. I habitually scare the daylights out of people when I'm on the road pretty much all the time. My second car is a blast from the past. The car is as old as I am. In fact, I'm fairly certain. I keep forgetting to actually check. It's been in the shop for a while because it's being rebuilt. But I'm fairly certain that the car was built within a month of my date of birth. So the car is actually as old as I am. Why did I go that route? Because I'm not a moron. Because with Taiwan being the world's chip supplier, roughly 90% of the world's uh, semiconductors and microchips come out of Taiwan, and them being under constant threat by the Red Dragon of China, it seemed like a very bad idea for me to count on the idea that I might be able to get the computer chips that I need to replace anything electronic that goes wrong in my modern police car. So, I went ahead and got something that is carbureted. Not fuel injected, carbureted. Because I know how to rebuild a carburetor, I can, do, I can actually fix anything that might go wrong with that carburetor with very minimal, like it's a minimal challenge for me. Now, granted, there's some other stuff in there that I'm like, uh, okay, I'd probably rather do without. But those items are easily replaceable. I can fix it easily because they're mechanically operated. They're not digital. It's not like the only thing digital in that car is a clock. That's it. It's the only thing that's digital in that car. There's a digital clock in the dashboard. That's it. Everything else is analog. The radio is practically transistor radio. Not that I use the radio anyway. I mean, for crying out loud, I've got a compass, I've, I've got a box into which is going a compass and road atlases, as well as well as well as MGRS maps where available, so that if I do have to travel, nothing stops me from getting where I need to go. And then secondarily, you know, I've still got my cell phone, so as long as that still works, I can, you know, still navigate that way. In truth, I'm even contemplating selling the cop car. It's worth twice what I paid for it. Thank you, inflation. Appreciate that, you know, Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. You made my car twice as valuable as it was the day before you you went. Like, I'm not even joking when I say this. I bought the car while, uh, while Trump was in office. And by the end of Brandon's first year, the car went double in value and right now as it sits right now it's almost triple in value thanks to brandon now i know some of that's going to be the inflation stuff so you know it's actually because of a reduced buying power but the fact is is that the car is a solid car and people aren't buying new cars they're buying used cars So the fact that I can almost get three times what I paid for the car (laughs) is insane. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. Now, why do I keep the car? Because the car's actually got better fuel economy than my second car. My second car, the fuel economy is about half. But all I gotta do is tweak it, make a couple of really minor tweaks and I could run that, and I could run that car on damn near anything. And I literally mean damn near anything. If it's explosive in any way, shape, or form, I could probably put it through that engine and drive. Oi. gee, I wonder if I was into that sort of technology before I got out of the military. Oh yeah, that's right, I was. Because it seemed important to me at the time that we're able to have that variability. Gas prices were actually quite high when I was looking into the technology the first time. And I was looking into converting it from a from a regular petrol automobile, or actually, not, well, one of my vehicles at the time, because at the time it was a 74 Ford F-100. And I was looking at converting it from petrol to uh, liquid propane or natural gas. Because at the time... Petrol was three, almost $4 a gallon, and natural gas was $1 a gallon. Now, that seems to be kind of moot, so I don't know if I'm even going to bother one way or the other. Thank you, Brandon. You brought that catastrophe to all of America as well. And this was all the way back in Barack Obama's administration. Actually, I think it was 2008, 2009. I'd been preparing for some forms of these things for a while. I did not know, because I was still a libertarian at the time, so I really didn't understand what really was at stake all the way across the board. However, after coming back to the faith and becoming a traditional Catholic, it all got really clear really quick. And I could even look back and see the places where I was deeply mistaken but understandably so. At the time, you could not say that I was one of the elect. I don't even consider myself one of the elect today, but I know for a fact that back then I was definitely not one of the elect. So a few things you're gonna want if you happen to be isolated from a large community of traditionalists or even like isolated from natural resources, from natural uh, resources like, you know, farmers markets and the like. You're going to want something to purify water. You're going to want to be able to purify enough water that at a minimum you can exfil where you're at to get someplace safer. You're going to want to have the capacity to travel Possibly off-road, possibly off the beaten path. That means, here's the thing. Number one mistake most people make. When you're trying to exfil someplace like, say, New York City, you don't have to take the major interchanges. You can leave New York City... via side streets. Now you can't leave Manhattan via side streets, but you can leave New York city via side streets. It may mean that you have to go deeper into the belly of the beast in order to get out. It may not be, but you do not have to use interstates or major thoroughfares to exfil. And this is a mistake that a lot of people make. So the first thing I would recommend is if you live someplace like say Indianapolis or Detroit or Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, is that you learn how to get away from the city before you try to use any of the major thoroughfares. So learning those US, those, those US roads and those state roads as well as the side streets are important. If you live someplace like Indiana, then knowing how to navigate across the state without ever touching a major street is helpful. And you can cross the entire length and breadth of the state of Indiana and not touch a major street. It is possible. And knowing how to do that is vital. Like, and that's pretty much, that's likewise everywhere. They go, Hey, a hurricane's coming in Florida. What does everybody do? They hop on A1A and I-95 and they head north and that backs traffic up for days. But knowing how to travel north without hitting A1A or 95 North will dramatically increase the survivability of you having to get the heck out of town right now. And it's true for New Orleans, it's true for Galveston, it's true for San Antonio or Albuquerque, Los Angeles. Bakers, well, Bakersfield, I mean, you're kind of screwed. There's, fi- there's finite evac from Bakersfield. You're in, the, you're, you're in a canyon. There's only so many roads go in and out. But that's true for every major city in America. And it's probably also true for every major city around the world that if you know how to access those side streets and use the side streets to get yourself out of Dodge safely, which means you also it would help if you know the neighborhoods that you're traveling through. because oh hey by the way, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of Chicago and I'm gonna drive right through Gary, Indiana. Well that's not any safer. Yeah, you got out of Chicago but Gary is pretty damn dangerous. Knowing how to get out. Via a safe evacuation route is going to be significantly more important these days, coming up than anything else, because we're coming to the point now. If you haven't noticed in the news, there are now more and more stories that are, and mind you, not the mainstream news, but on the sidebar news. That you know, everybody who's like actually reporting the things that are going on in in a city or in, or in a, in the country. There are an increasing number of stories where people are getting caught up at random and being executed. This just happened in Memphis, Tennessee, and it looks like it's going to happen again before they finally get a lid on what's going on in Memphis. Four people executed, broad daylight. Memphis, of all places... This isn't, what is it, West Memphis? I don't know. If I remember correctly, Memphis is on the border and then on the other side of the state border is actually the bad part of town. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It looks like Memphis is turning just as crappy as the bad part of town on the other side of state lines. This is going to become vitally important because not everybody has the capacity to just pick up and leave now but there will come a point an inflection point a shatter point where you can know where you realize waiting we're done forget about packing pack a week's worth of clothes grab some food some water and let's go we're getting to that point that's going to begin to manifest itself and you may not necessarily land somewhere safe in the you know, broadest sense of the word, but you'll, but you'll be significantly safer than if you hang around in some of these cesspools. And as time goes on, that's becoming much more important. And no, traveling across the country in a recreational vehicle is not going to be safer. Because by the time it comes to that, everyone's going to know what you're doing and they can get your whole house at once. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say that, but again, it's just facts. You go to X Fill a place and you're driving a recreational vehicle and you're just, you know, heading out. When you pass through, there's a lot of places in this country where people don't just go driving through in RVs. And just as assuredly as home title lock may or may not protect you from losing your whole home, driving through the wrong parts of the country may or may not protect you from losing your whole home. We're at that point, dear family, it's only a few months away. Come April of next year, it's going to be on like Donkey Kong, barring some kind of phenomenal turn of events. And it would have to be, and I will tell you, it will have to be a ridiculous turn of events. Why has he got to be the guy to bring all the bad news I don't know walk walk the path I walked and you'll see it just as clearly because I'm not a smart guy all of my all of the most important lessons that I have laid out on this podcast I learned by doing the exact wrong thing if I was really that smart, I wouldn't even be talking on this podcast because I would have already insulated myself against all of it. And I probably would have done so, so long ago that I completely forgot that other people don't know how to do it. So. Scary enough? (laughs) Things you're gonna need. A road atlas. Like a good, detailed road atlas. If you can get your hands on some military-grade maps, like uh, multi-military grid reference system maps, uh, there's not—they don't cover a large portion of the country, but they do have um, significant areas. If you happen to be anywhere near military bases, usually they have MGRS maps that'll have roads that you didn't even know were there. But paper maps, definitely important. Even if you got to do print screen like Google Maps, definitely important. I don't know that, honestly, I don't know that people have enough paper for all that. Um, but paper maps, definitely. A compass, definitely. A sundial, believe it or not, definitely. Sundials are really good for navi- for navigation especially when taken in combination with a compass. If you can get your hands on an astrolabe or something along those lines. I mean, that's gonna be, that's gonna be some specialty stuff right there if you can get your hands on an astrolabe and, and, and navigate that way. But a compass at a minimum. You know, of course, a GPS, like one of those Magellan GPSs or whatever, not gonna hurt because it's not like the system's gonna come crashing down all at once. It may still be up for months after you decide you need to expel where you're at and, and head to safer pastures. And then again, it may have actually gone down the day before you leave. Is what it is. <clears throat> as far as food and water, get a good filtration system. I mean, you can still pick up stuff like life straw. You know, and there's bunches bunches of really awesome filtration systems. Not to be overstated, if you can get your hands on some good old-fashioned World War II jerry cans, you're going to be much, much better off than if you can't. The jerry cans, particularly, the World War II jerry cans are by far the best. But if you can get your hands on something similar to them, it doesn't have to be exactly like them, but if you can get your hands on something similar to them, you will be much, much better off when it comes to having to carry food, water, gas, all that stuff, because the Jerry cans are primo. They are, particularly the Jerry cans are primo, top of the line. You know, you're talking about 70 year old technology that has still not been surpassed in quality. Let me say that again the World War II Jerry can is 70 year old technology, 75 year old, almost 80 years old, that has not been surpassed yet so the jerry cans definitely you know um enough to carry it should be approximately um, two gallons of water per day per person on average um if you happen to be someplace like if you're just doing an if you're just trying to get the heck out of dodge two gallons of water per day per person so if you're going you know it's gonna take you three days then you're gonna want, you know, it, it's gonna it's just you and it's gonna take three days. Then a five-gallon can of water will probably be enough to get you where you're going, and then something akin to like a LifeStraw or some other water filtration tech, so that you can top it up on the off chance you didn't get there by the time you were trying to get there. Three days of food, three days of food in your in a, in a go bag. Doesn't necessarily have to be in your car, but in a go bag, definitely. Three days of food. <laughs> Three days of food and at least two days worth of water. And I would actually say, in re- in all reality, if, if you're doing two days worth of water, you're probably gonna be okay. If you've got the resources to pick up along the way, then you might be okay. If not, then the other reason why the, why a decent topographical map and a road atlas would both be important is because if you have the filtration system, You don't have to stop at a gas station. You can literally just stop at a creek, get some water and carry on. You can literally just pull off to the side of the road, walk down under an underpass, gather water of whatever type it is, put it through the filtration process and continue getting the heck out of Dodge. Why does it seem like it's more immediate survival? Like I'm not talking long-term prep, because we're past that, okay? I was talking about long-term prep in 2020. It is now 2022, and we're past that. This is now the emergency prep. This is the I-need-to-get-someplace-safe prep. Because many other people... Like, no joke, if you still think you've got... Like, if you're in one of those places, you know, you're out in, like, rural Nevada or rural Utah or rural Wyoming, then you still have some time. You can actually, like you should still have some time to prep. I mean, they got to come looking for you behind it. You know, you got a giant state with only 1 million people in it. They got to come looking for you if you're in someplace like Wyoming. But if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, let me rephrase. If you're in Omaha, Nebraska, you ain't got it like that anymore. You should have already bought the piece of property somewhere out in the sticks, corner of know and where in the middle of Texas or Colorado or I cringe to say Colorado, but you know, someplace else, even in your own state, a hundred miles outside of Nebraska is a safer outside of Omaha in Nebraska is safer to be than in Omaha, Nebraska. If you haven't gotten out of Omaha, Nebraska by now, you need to look at your immediate exfil when crap hits the fan. Likewise, Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, um, St. Paul's, Minnesota, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Chicago, Akron, Dayton, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Charlotte, Charleston, Savannah. If you haven't already put together the, I need to be able to get the heck out of Dodge kit, you need to put together the, I need to be able to get the hell out of Dodge kit. And it needs to be enough for you and every member of your family, three days supply. After the three days, you better be able to figure it out. But a three day supply, for you and every member of your family. So it's three days worth of baby formula, three days worth of diapers, at least. Honestly, in a situation like that, I feel like you go through a week's worth of diapers in those three days. So you might wanna put two weeks worth of diapers for a three-day kit for for an infant, per infant. You're gonna want food for you and mama. You're gonna want food for both For both and or all of your kids. Preferably all of your kids. Because at least this way we know you had at least some sort of solid foundation. But if it's it's literally just you and your kid. Then you need to each have three days worth of supplies. To pick up and get the heck out of Dodge. And by the way if it is just you and your kid. You should be able to put six days worth of supplies in there. Because that is not a heavy burden to lift. Even if it's three days worth of ramen noodles. And a life straw. You are better off. If you can get your hands on a trauma kit or an emergency, at least an emergency first aid kit. A trauma kit would be better. But absent that, a first aid kit and throw some tampons and maxi pads in there. Why would I throw tampons and maxi pads? Maybe what if i But there's no girls. Okay. Tampons and maxi pads are the most hygienic bandages that you can get your hands on in a large bundle for a low price. And you can save somebody's life with a maxi pad and some duct tape. It's too late for the long-term preparation. We don't have long-term left. We have three to six months left. Now maybe you can maybe you make enough money, you can squeeze it in and you can manage to put in a three three months worth of food. Before March of next year. But you may not have till March. You probably only actually have until the end of January. So maybe you can manage to squeeze it in. But if not, you need to you need to be able to bug out. Bug out and go someplace else. Eastern, Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon. Neither of those are bad. North or South Dakota. Neither of those are bad. Middle of Kansas or Nebraska. Neither of those are bad. Oklahoma, not bad. by the cities is suicide. If you stay in, in and around the cities, it'll be suicide for pretty much all but the most read of states. The long-term prepping, I gotta tell you, I won't be talking about that anymore. We're not in the long-term prep stage. We're in the last quarter of a non-psychotic world. And I mean, what okay, like things are pretty bat crap crazy now. And you ain't seen nothing yet. We're in the last few months before it really gets before it really gets out of hand. And for those of you who are living in the cities, seeing the crap that's already getting out of hand right now, oh, just imagine, just imagine another three months. All you got to do is just keep the arc on its same exponential increase, and you will understand where we're headed in the next three to six months. If your head's still in the sand, you better dig it out quick. Because in the next three months, they're going to do a lot of things, including laying the, final, the, laying the final groundwork to delete the dollar altogether. It was like, oh, you should have cash and this, that, and the other. And you should have some cash. You should. But by now, you should have a couple hundred dollars in silver, which isn't a lot. It's a roll of silver coins, a roll of quarters. something to get you through because you're going to need it it's time we quit pretending everything's going to be just fine nothing is going to be just fine and if you're and if you're head of household you have a responsibility to your whole household so as such you should already be leading your family in rosaries You should already be taking your family to mass. You should already be catechizing your children. And you should be teaching your children. I think at this point, I think at this point, if you're still sending your kids to public school, you deserve to go to hell. They've made it so very obvious that they're trying to destroy your kids' souls. At this point, if your kids are still in public school, you should go to hell. And I got it, but I got to work and I got to do this and I got to do that. Well, okay. I mean, it's your kids that are gonna be talking about cutting off their own genitalia before too long. It'll be your kids who are calling Child Protective Services on you because you won't let them cut off their own genitalia before too long. Should be obvious by now. And I'm not even going to tell you I told you so because I don't know you. (laughs) I don't, I don't know you personally. And when it happens, I'll still do whatever it is I can to help. But I don't know if you've ever encountered child protective services. They're almost as bad, if not worse than the IRS. So good luck with that. Pray your rosaries, pray for the church, and pray for the nation, desperately pray for the nation, because I will tell you, the most powerful nation in the history of the world is not mentioned in Catholic prophecy or any form of prophecy whatsoever. Ever, and what that actually means is when the end of the world comes we're already dead as a nation maybe not every one of us individually you can do with that as you will pray for the church pray for the nation and get your families right with God And get yourselves ready for hell. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.